Hey, it's Mark Striegel. We are here for another edition of the Talking Rock podcast, and I am joined once again by the co-host of the show, Joey Haney. Hey, Joey, how are you? I'm doing good, Mark. How are you? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Um, back in in school mode here with the kids, virtual learning, which is <laughs> uh, just uh, kind of uh, yeah. I can't wait for them to be back in physical school. But that's uh, so that's where we're at. But in general, everything's good. Uh, how are you doing? Your health? Are you doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, clear bill of health. No reason why I shouldn't live a. Uh, normal expected life uh, according to my doctor so oh, I'm just uh, stay in the path I'm down 40 pounds since uh, April. 40 holy moly 40 pounds since April wow yeah, yeah. man I, I lost 15 pounds over the course of like you know five years I thought that was good but uh, wow that's that's incredible congratulations oh thanks dude and do you feel so physically just- better like do you does it feel different to have that weight gone Oh yeah, absolutely. My my back feels better for one, and you know, general fatigue. Uh, it's about the same, honestly. It really just uh, I, I miss certain food, but you know, I don't miss being in bad shape. Uh, I walk every morning. I actually really enjoy that. It gives me a chance to like listen to a full album every morning. So that's a good way to start the day. Um, so yeah, you know, it's it's not too bad. Not too bad at all. Yeah, that's great that you're able to enjoy music while you walk. I. I tell you, I, I just am so caught up in all the the news that it's like, I may have mentioned this before, that I do walks every day, too. I walk a lot, but I, I end up just turning on the, the uh, you know, the news and listening to that, and it's counterproductive because the walks should be relaxing you, but then the news, yeah. I just get so uh, tense and, you know crazed over yeah. everything that's going on so good for you for listening to music what music are you enjoying on your walks lately well when we last spoke which i'm sorry it's taken so long i didn't mean to take the whole summer off of talking rock it just kind of happened with oh, everything going no on and yeah. physical therapy well, and whatnot but uh, you and me both yeah yeah and uh i know you're not getting two checks for teaching and uh doing extra content and and uh well, I guess for the content you are, but uh, <laughs> uh, right. but not for teaching, right? Anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, last time we talked, I was doing 2005 music. I finished doing all that stuff, and uh, I'm actually currently posting those episodes right now. The uh, the 2005 countdown that nobody asked for. I'm doing that right now. But uh, on the Rock Strikes right Ten now, podcast. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for that plug. I appreciate that. Um, but right now, I'm actually in. Uh, you know, just due to the fact that uh, I finished so early in the year with it, I decided to take on an even bigger task and do the music of 1990 so i'm in full 1990 mode right now awesome 1990 i'm trying to think of what came out in in 90 i mean that was obviously before Nevermind hit and yeah. i'm trying to think yeah. was that the first allison chains record was that 90 or yeah. was that that was 90 yeah. right yeah facelift yeah, yeah. All, all that the entire clash of the titans tour uh they all put out albums that year so you know yeah including allison chains <laughs> Right, right. I'm trying to. What else? Yeah. Non-heavy rock was going on in 1990. Oh goodness, man! So uh, I got my list here. Hang on. Prince was that Diamond and Pearls? Was that around that time? Or I'm trying to. Uh, that that was 91. That was 91. Uh, okay. He did put out. He did put out the Graffiti Bridge movie and soundtrack in 1990, which is actually better than I remember it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so uh, other non-Rockos, they might be Giants. Primus's first uh, studio album came out. Right. Uh, Black Crow's debut album came out. Jeez, I mean, the list goes on. I know Robert Plant's one of your favorite. Did you like the Manic Nirvana record at all? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mean, my two favorite Robert Plant records are the one immediately after Zeppelin. Uh, what is that? Uh, movie, uh, Pictures at 11, I believe it is, yeah. right? And then yeah. the Principles of principle of the Moment or Principles of the Moment. I'm trying to remember. Uh, the yeah, second principles of moments. Yeah. Moments. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that was a great one too. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I like all that Robert Plant stuff and it's amazing. You know, I went on Apple music the other day and they had like, you know, I don't think it was essential Robert Plant. It was like Robert Plant next steps playlist or something. And I was just listening to that <laughs> because he's not something somebody I've really paid a lot of attention to since the eighties, but man, so much good stuff. Even some of the more recent stuff by him really great. Yeah, I remember liking the Fate of Nations record. I I quite enjoyed that one when yeah. it came out as well. Yeah, me too. So. 1990 also yeah. Warrant, of course, with Cherry Pie, which was an album. You know, I was I was 20 years old in 1990, and right. at that point, had kind of moved away from 80s sounding hard rock and metal. I mean, I was still kind of had a foot in it, but I, I was growing out my mullet and, and into more of a, a bop haircut at that point. Uh, you know, Kurt Cobain style, even, even though he was, uh, he really didn't get into Nirvana until the sec, you know, never mind hit, yeah. then went backwards yeah. from there. But uh, it was a transitional time for me because I was very much into Alice in Chains um, Faith No More, Fishbone yeah. was a real big band for me at that time. You know, Jane's nice. Addiction. You know, and and the the '80s stuff. I mean, I I remember hearing Warrant and thinking, oh, it's all right, and hearing Pretty Boy Floyd and a few other bands that were '80s and being like, yeah, it's all right. But I, I there was a sense at that time that that stuff at least with the circles I was in for somebody 20 years old starting to hang out in New York City was not cool anymore, you know? So yeah. I, I had trouble accepting Warrant, even though I did like, like I liked Uncle Tom's Cabin, but I never went and bought that record, w- would not do it. Sure, sure. And it was years later, like well into the 90s, mid 90s, that I actually really went back and started listening more to that record. And it's a great record, man. Uh, and, yeah, and, it's got some it's got some gems on it for sure. And I feel like, you know, I mean, the we all know the story now about how Janie said he was kind of forced to write Cherry Pie and whatnot. You know, uh, the other band that was really, you know, not falling off, but like I could sense that there was something amiss uh, at the time. Another big album from 1990 was Flesh and Blood by Poison. Yes. And I feel like if you actually go back and listen to that album, uh, listen to it like this, if you do. Like I thought about that cherry pie thing, listening to Flesh and Blood, and immediately came to mind. I was thinking that Unskinny Bop was actually. I I have a theory that it was written kind of after the fact, and it was tacked on at the last minute. Because if you listen to the rest of the album, nothing on that album sounds like Unskinny Bop at all. Okay. Like they were already moving in like in that that extreme direction they did on the Richie Kotzen album, and that the the stuff besides that song is not too far off from it. So I think they turned that record in, and I have a theory that the label made them write something like a pop song, you know, anthem kind of thing, because 
it sticks out. It sticks out almost as much as like Sloop John B does on Pet Sounds. It's just like really off. Yeah, that's an interesting record too because that had again we're talking 1990. That had. Uh, Something to believe in. I mean, those are, I'm looking at it on Wikipedia right now. The two songs I remember, Unskinny Bop and Something to Believe in, those got heavy airplay, were big, big songs on MTV and, yeah. and radio. But also, uh, right, yeah, Ride the Wind got a ton of play, too. I remember because I was an MTV yeah. nerd at the time, and you couldn't pass half hour without Ride the Wind coming on when it was getting pushed. So that one was bigger. It's just, it seems to not have survived as much as those other two songs. Right. And I don't know if it like charted that well, like on billboard for instance, but I remember the video was huge and I couldn't get away from it. Like I still never want to see it again, but yeah, that was a big song on it too. And they still play it live. Right on, right on. Yeah. And it's such a transitional time because that really was kind of, you know, I look at 90, possibly 91. I mean, that was the last hurrah for 80s hard rock music before it yeah. changed you know it really, it really yeah. was so interesting time for sure yeah and the, the emergence of like college rock you know at the time it was called college rock you know alternative right. whatever you want to call it before it was grunge because the cool thing about it when it really started to happen like you mentioned fishbone and jane's addiction earlier uh when i actually moved out to where i currently live in 1990 so it was a whole new thing for me as well we had a local alternative station here and before grunge hit they would play fishbone jane's addiction like rem the cure but they'd also play anthrax you know so it's like alternative was kind of everything and it's a shame that it had to get like bogged down into being one thing you know when grunge hit uh but between that and the emergence of thrash music like really coming to the forefront i think you know, people say that Nirvana killed him off, and I don't subscribe to that theory. I think the emerging college movement, Jane's Addiction, had a lot to do with it. Things like that, the Lollapalooza thing, but also Faith No More, too, real thing. I mean, yeah. that that record was so big mm. and so life changing for yeah. for me personally because all those bands we're talking about. I mean, you could even throw Living Color in there. They were all oh, yeah. bands that that the open minded. Uh, people who enjoyed like I hate the term but you know 80s hair metal could use as a gateway to go elsewhere and yeah. and and that's what happened and and you know I probably told this story to you before but for me the 80s was a weird time because a time that that I look back fondly on especially the music because remember, I, I was born in 69, so I, I came, my teenage years were in the 80s, but I was never the cool guy. Like, I, I, my, I could never get my hair looking right, you know, because my parents made me cut it and I got a bad perm and I never got the 80s hair down. I never, the pants, the tight, you know, acid wash jeans never fit me right. Uh, I could never quite shred like the shredders could shred, you know, as a musician. So I, I always felt I was more the fanboy in the 80s. But then this weird thing happened where in the 90s, when I got into my 20s, it was like all the things that that I was doing, like the bad haircut, you know, the, the pants that always tended to slip down on my ass and, and uh, you know, not... Uh, not having the the perfect uh, 80s outfit. Uh, I, like, I fit in perfectly. So I went from being yeah. the nerd, goofball, loser who doesn't have his look together and can't quite, you know, do tap-ons on the guitar that well 
to suddenly I was the cool guy. So, and, and it was almost, I embraced it, you know, but it was, it was such a weird time because I went from being the biggest nerd that no one wanted to hang out with to the guy that everyone wanted at the party. It was like a, a, and it happened within the course of like a year and a half, you know, it was such a weird time, man. And I loved it, you know, because I went from being the guy again, no one wanted to hang out to. And suddenly I was the cool guy and it was just such a weird how quickly the 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 things moved you know back then and the 90s i loved the 90s i mean i i have such fond memories of that decade in in some ways much better than the 80s because that's that's when i was really got a chance to go and live and and be somebody and feel like the cool guy suddenly the everyone who was the cool guys in the 80s whether they were the jocks or the the hair the the big hair guys on the new wave side and the metal side or and even the thrashers man they were all they were all dorks by 1992 no one wanted to hang out with those nerds you know what i mean and and all the nerds Weezer and and Alice in Chains i mean Jerry Cantrell listen to that guy's guitar solo he can't he can't shred thank goodness you know but it's like all those guys were were the cool guys i mean it was just it was crazy no, no. I don't know. Sorry, just uh, self no, no. self <laughs> self reminiscing a bit here. Yeah, I'm just I'm living vicariously at this point because uh, I was when the when the '90s rolled around, I was just about to start junior high, so it was just all wishing I had all that to do, you know. And just I just lived vicariously through the music uh, at that point still because I was years away from having a driver's license and and stuff like that. But I did notice the the difference in like. I remember like just going away for summer and then coming back and all the girls that, you know, were like wearing poison t-shirts the the year before were like, you know, and wearing tons of makeup and their hair teased up to the moon. Uh, they had their, their hair was all down now, no makeup wearing Alice in Chains t-shirts or red eye chili peppers. Yeah. Some of them, some of them. Yeah. Some of them did. And some of them didn't. There was a, I remember there were, there were people that, that, that made the transition you know, uh, and I, I had started working at MTV in 91, um, which helped because that was definitely the cool place to work, you know, at the time yeah. uh, as a as a 20 year old, 21 year old kid. But there were people who made that transition and there was o- other people that just never quite made it, you know, and, and they, they stayed waiting for the 80s to return or or not realizing that time was moving on they stayed with their fashions and and didn't really move on but there was others that yeah you're right that that dropped what they were doing fashion wise and music wise and culture wise i mean this this went into movies too i mean you look at pulp fiction and i mean the 90s were were such a amazing time man for for art and music and film and everything was 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 shifted and some people made the transition some people didn't you know and i feel like i i can think of specific people they just they just didn't get alice in change they just didn't they didn't make that effort to uh transition to some into a new era and that's cool you know in some ways maybe they were more real for sticking to what they believed in but in other ways they didn't have uh the ability to accept new things and that's something that i've strived for my whole life because i feel like so many people they get to a certain age and then it's like i mean you know 
how how your parents or your grandparents would talk. Well, I remember back in the day it was so great, and I mean that's what Trump ties. You know, he he's understands that. Let's make it make America great again. I mean, that's, it's, as soon as you get past age twenty five, it's so hard to accept new things. You always want to remember the things that you grew up with because it's not even that they were better. It's just that that's what you grew up with and that's what you know, you know? So I think as we all grow older to keep an open mind and I, the older I get, the harder, the harder it is to, to be tied into pop culture and stuff. But I do think that we do have to always accept that Time's moving on always, you know, and, and we're not going backwards. We're not going back to anything, you know. Little things will slip and maybe come back in style briefly, but that's that's just a fad or a temporary uh, thing. Yeah, sure. And Madison Avenue has a lot to say about that. But, yeah, also I I tried to have it both ways when all that came around. I, I, I didn't turn my back on some of the icons of my youth. I was I was kind of a little more selective, you know. Like I, I wasn't, uh, you know, I stuck with Motley and Kiss and stuff like that. I definitely wore Kiss shirts throughout junior high and high school, which made me very popular uh, sarcasm. But right. you know, I, I listened to a lot of the other bands. Like like you said earlier, I got big into Faith No More, loved them, and uh, they definitely changed my taste a lot for the better. Uh, you know, even though that record came out in '89, I believe uh, it yeah. was definitely more of a '90s record. You know, so, but yeah, I still I still hung in there with you know whatever, like you know. Megadeth, Priest, you know, you know, like I said, Motley, Kiss, stuff like that. But I listened to a lot of the new bands. There was a lot of great new bands in the 90s. So I thought I could have it both ways. But apparently, you know, you know, I was in that junior high, high school bubble. So it was just, you know, this or nothing, you know, it turned into that or nothing. And uh, it's unfortunate, like you couldn't have all things exist on a, on a plane, you know, like there's no room for the guy that, uh, you know, listens to Pantera, but also faster pussycat still, you know, or something like that. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. I know yeah it's like to be which is a shame nerd, because so. you should be able to like both those bands, you know? Um, yeah. The other thing that I specifically remember happening in the nineties and then we can move on right. is, is suddenly the seventies were cool again. And I've said this before, but you know, in, yeah. in, in the eighties, certain bands like Led Zeppelin and, and, and Pink Floyd, they never quite lost their cool, even though they didn't really exist in at least not in the form that they did in the seventies. They never quite lost their cool, but they were kind of viewed like, ah, oh, it's that seventies stuff, you know, whereas kiss and black Sabbath, at least mm-hmm. up until about 89, that stuff was like, you know, Kiss was playing barely any songs from the 70s in their set list. You know, mm-hmm. Ozzy played a few Sabbath songs. It was like they were embarrassed by that bell-bottom, straight-hair stuff. They, they to- yeah. high, you know, platform shoes, which, you know, even Ozzy wore some platform shoes at times. You know, and it was just like they were embarrassed mm-hmm. by that. They That stuff yeah. was not cool. But suddenly in the late 80s, like I, I specifically remember 89 you know, suddenly it was like, oh, wow, those doom riffs from Sabbath. That that's that stuff's cool, you know? Mm-hmm. So that stuff became cool again. And I remember really diving into Ozzy-era Sabbath. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I was old enough that as a little kid, I liked Kiss in the 70s, but I started really going back to my Kiss records in the, in the yeah. late, in the like 89 through 
through 94, 95, uh, and totally immersing myself in, in old Sabbath. As a kid, I had only had the Paranoid record and Sabotage. I didn't really know those other albums that much, but I, I loved Ozzy, you know, so I really delved back into all those Ozzy era Sabbath records and that stuff was all of a sudden cool again, you know? So yeah. it was really, really uh, not only all this new music from the the 90s, but there was a cultural acceptance of how cool the 70s were, which in the 80s, again, the 70s were not cool. The seven, yeah, exactly. you know, the 70s were dork rock. You know, I, Van Halen, there's a story in one of those Van Halen books where in like 79, 80, they did a photo shoot with like bell bottoms and the press was just ripping them apart because it was the yeah. most ridiculous. You know, who, who in their right mind would still be wearing bell bottoms, you know, and bell bottoms in the 90s became cool again so it's like yeah it's yeah. it's interesting but 90s a yeah, great I, decade i mean that's for me my favorite decade you know i of course it's great now having a family and kids but just i have let's just say i have very very fond memories of, of the the 1990s sure yeah i think that's another reason why i'm such a big alice cooper guy is because even though he had a few records that were like kind of riding the wave of what was popular at the time he never turned his back on his old material and he knew that the stuff was still good and it was timeless enough to keep it around. Uh, so there's that. And yeah, I got huge into Sabbath in the nineties more so than Ozzy. Right. Uh, for sure. So I saw on MTV, they actually, I remember specifically it was around the early nineties, 90 or 91 or something like that. They aired like some retrospective on heavy metal. And uh, I remember just like they showed a clip from the first black Sabbath video for the black Sabbath song. And I was like, what is that? You know, like it just looks so cheap and but evil at the same time. Yeah. And that's the first time I heard like that fast part of the Black Sabbath song. I was like, wow. Yeah. That is insane. What, what's not, what are you talking about? Iron Man? No, uh, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. Oh, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. Right. So where yeah. it goes in at the end. Right. I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you know, in Sabbath for sure, in a lot of ways, the first heavy metal band but I will give, you know, I'm reading Rob Halford's autobiography right now, and uh, it comes out later this month. It's a great read. I'm probably almost halfway through it. But what a tremendous, I mean, and he mentions Sabbath as being uh, influence on, on Priest and even seeing Sabbath before they were famous in, in like a club in Birmingham or, or England yeah. or, or somewhere. But he also mentions as one of the other just incredibly big influences on him. And you hear this more, way more so than you hear Ozzy's influence on Halford's singing style is Gillen, Ian Gillen. I mean, he, he just mm -hmm. says that Ian Gillen was a tremendous influence on, on him vocally. And I really think in some ways, like, Albums like, you know, In in Rock by, by Deep Purple were almost as much an influence. I even want to say a little bit more of an influence on what became the new wave of British heavy metal, you know, which was yeah. Priest wasn't technically included in that movement. But when you listen to those bands, to me, they sound far more like 
purple without keyboards. You know what I mean? Like or Gillen era yeah, yeah. purple without keyboards than than they do the first Black Sabbath record or the second Paranoid. You know, so I, yeah. I, I, I it's it's interesting. Um, but anyway, it's a little off topic. I don't know where I'm going with this, yeah, but no. but yeah, the no, Halford no, book, by the way, it's it's great. It's great, and I the thing I love about it, it it's so gay that it's it's just wonderful that i was so afraid that he he wouldn't you know tone it down but man sure. is it is it gay it's uh, and that's great because i think <laughs> that it's so important because there's still you know these 52 year old meathead judas priest pre- they need to read this because it, oh yeah i i think it's i think it's really important how he doesn't back down from any of that it's a very yeah. sexual book and and we know his sexuality so loving it sure. so far so good yeah and halford's got great integrity always has i mean he's you know him along with dio we're like the henry kissinger's of metal well spoken and all that great representative but the other thing i liked about it is that i i think that even rob saw the writing on the wall for the 90s and it was i don't think it was a forced thing i think he was a legit fan of like bands like Pantera and stuff like that. And that of course is what influenced the sound of what he did with fight. But then even by the time the second fight record came around, he was already well engulfed in the uh, desert rock scene that he was living down there in Arizona. So he got into like highest and stuff like that. And you can hear that on the second fight record. So I like Rob. He always knows what's going on. Like he's very aware. And yes, yes. I love him on social media. He's always posting cat pictures and, and just, crazy photos of him playing dress up and stuff like that right he's awesome well listen we've been we've been uh kind of just riffing it here for 25 minutes to kind of conclude things in the last five ten minutes what uh what topics you said you might have a couple topics that were uh bouncing around your head what what were you thinking of talking about now that we're almost done (laughs) recording sure um well i mean this could be a this could be a lot but uh you know i was going to get your opinion on what you thought of quiet riot continuing and uh, yeah. were you aware that there's a lineup to speak of still? Yeah, I, I read. I read that. I forget who's the drummer. Some guy from was it? Yeah, Johnny typo Kelly negative from guy? Typo Negative. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so like now, I mean, like we talked. We talked. Uh, I guess about a year or two ago about like Foreigner, where they go out and do shows, and there's times where you know Big Jones doesn't play. So now you have like no like zero original members, and now. Quiet Riot has gone to that territory. It makes me feel super old, by the way. Yeah, I'll tell but, you what I think. You know, I I think I've seen Foreigner twice in the last, let's mm-hmm. say, five, six years. I've seen them twice. Yeah. At the time I, I saw one, the first time I saw them was no, Mick Jones wasn't there. So no original members. It was essentially the Foreigner cover band. And they right. played a pretty big size theater, you know, probably, I don't know, 600 people. And it was it was packed, but it was just I felt something was off to me about it. It was just like I don't know. It was kind of weird, you know. It's like they're up here playing the music; they sound great, but there's no one representing what Foreigner once were. There's no Lou Graham. There's no Mick Jones. Then I saw them probably I don't know what it would have been 2018 or 19. I guess 2018. With it was I think it was White Snake, White Snake and Foreigner. But anyways, Foreigner had Mick Jones back in in the fold with you know the eight other guys on stage, and they right. they, they they were they were awesome. And I I 
just yeah. loved it. And it was just the fact that he was up there. And I know maybe he wasn't playing everything like he used to. And then there was, you know, a lot of other guitar players on the stage too. But he played some good riffs and he was... I can't remember how old he was. I think it was like 73 at the time or something, yeah. 74. But it just made sense. It was like, all right, all right, there's the spirit of Foreigner. Whether he can still play sure. like he used to or not, it still works for me. And yeah. and yeah. I, I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. And the first time I didn't really love it. I was like, eh, it's a little weird. Um, so yeah. to Quiet Riot, no, they need to stop. I, and I realized Chuck Wright you know, he's been this guy who's been there for a very long time. And, you know, everyone thinks of Rudy Sarzo because Rudy was in the videos and, you know, but they yeah. always make such a big deal. Even on the song Met Metal Health, that's Chuck Wright on bass. He didn't play yeah. on most of the record, uh, the yeah. uh, that the Metal Health record, but he did play on the title track and I think one other song. But <sighs> that's so weird that Rudy is like involved in two big records that he didn't play on either at all or just a little bit. That one in the White Snake Cell title. Right. Well, Rudy else. played most of the bass on Metal Health. I, th- I think two sure, songs. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah two no, songs Chuck just, Wright plays on. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah it, should, it should, Car- Carlos and Rudy, if they're willing to do it, if they if they just got Carlos and Rudy, you know, they could actually save this thing, honestly. Like, you know, in, in the best possible way, like whatever your best case scenario is currently, because they're from the classic lineup. Like I said, I don't know if they want to do it or not, but that's it. I say it's, if you can't do that, then don't do it. Yeah. I say, let it go. I won't be going to see quiet riot play. I I have the last time I saw them was at M three. I guess it would have been 2019. And it was uh, one of James Durbin's last gigs with them. And he was so, so good. He sounded amazing. I think Jizzy Pearl doesn't work with Quiet Riot, and it's just like why? It's just a it's just a mess. It's like I think I think it's uh, only people who are really going to enjoy that are people who don't even realize that no one in the band is original. You know what I mean? It's yeah, going to be the super exactly. casual casino fan, you know, or not even fan. Somebody who happens to be in the casino while they're playing. I, I say, I say, there's absolutely no reason that should be continuing, and I, I wish they would just stop it. That's that, but that's me. Yeah. How about yeah. you? How and, about you? You know, everybody's got everybody's got a right to make a living, but I just, you know, yeah, it's it is absolutely without question a cover band at this point call it something else if you're going to go out there and you know quote keep the music alive but yeah it's just that's not what that's about you know they always spin it with the press release we want to keep the music alive it's not about that it's all about okay alex grossi he works for big time entertainment big sullivan that his full-time day job is he is a booker promoter that's what he does that's what alex grassi does so he has recognized that he can still make a little extra side money when he's not you know booking faster pussycat and all the other bands la guns and all the other bands that big sullivan's represent he he realizes wow i i could still i can still book this quiet riot thing and we can still get set up at Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut, they'll fly us in and fly us out, and I'll walk home with you know an extra grand in my pocket and get to stay in a nice high high roller room at the casino. And so he he knows that that it's just a little bonus money for him. 
it's all about money. I mean, it's all about money. And, and there's, there's, there's no, anyone who believes they're out there doing the music. Oh, and Frankie gave us the blessing to continue on. Well, then Frankie should have said something before he died. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't even believe that. Frankie gave us his blessing. Give it what, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just very unfortunate because I'm, I, I'm like quite right. I I take pretty seriously in a sense, and somebody might laugh at that, but they were one of my key, you know, entries into hard rock and heavy metal. I said this on my show when Frankie died. It, it's you know, so I feel like I owe, owe a lot to them. And, yeah. Oh uh, man, they're an enormous band for me. It was such a big band for yeah. me. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I I'm still completely regretting i had a chance once to see that classic line at the mental health lineup and I, I didn't see him never got to see kevin i never got to see them period because after kevin was in the wasn't in the band i didn't feel the need to see him because i feel like that's such an irreplaceable voice durbin came the closest for sure that's for sure but yeah it's just it's been over for a long time honestly yeah and I it's agree. just sad and it's it's too bad because it's gonna hurt even just the good stuff now like the same way that the drama of like LA guns and rat hurts the bands in retrospect. And, you know, even trying to listen to their old records, you kind of think about those things sometimes I feel. Right. And it's just unfortunate that it really, yeah, hurts but at least those, ver- at least, at least L- both versions of LA guns have some quote unquote members of the classic lineup. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't like to say yeah, original lineup. It's the classic lineup, you know? Sure. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it just it just makes me sad. Well, listen, man, I do have to wrap it up here because I, I gotta go back to uh, helping my son. My son has to practice his viola, is the truth. And then I then he's got oh, a, a, right. a play date. I don't even. He's almost twelve, so I don't know if you call them play dates anymore. But hangout date with his buddy that I gotta take him to. But. Yeah. Always great hanging with you, Joey. I'm sorry we didn't get to any of the other topics, but... Um, no, it's all good. Yeah, trying to keep it more positive today. I know one of those previous episodes, that was a grouch ball. I felt bad about that, so ah, sorry. But. No worry. That, that's not why I stayed away. It's just uh, bad scheduling, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, I was yeah, busy yeah. all summer anyways with this Metal Crush thing with Sci-Fi, so... Yeah. So it was all, Congratulations. It's all good. Congratulations. Oh, yeah, thanks, man. Hopefully there'll be more. We're, we're trying to pitch pitch some more ideas a sci-fi channel owned by nbc universal very open to um promoting and doing loud rock programming so hopefully we can make something else happen because the four episodes we did were a pretty pretty good success so fingers crossed on that but all right uh, do you got a uh, favorite quiet riot song from one of those debro albums you want to throw down at the end here oh Man, I, there's so many of them. I I, uh, I like. What's that one? I'm trying to think. Is it a "Loves a Bitch" or something? Isn't that? A, what, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great. Yeah, one. "Loves a Bitch." Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. I love that song. Yeah, I haven't Metal heard Hell that in in so years. Killer. I would love to. I would love to hear that. Um, what, yeah, that was a great one. Uh, Metal Health, though, a lot of really great songs on on that record. "Loves yeah. a Bitch." Um, yeah, it's a, it's a perfect pop let's, metal. Let's album, go crazy like was a good one too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the breathless uh, run for cover. Yeah, I'll run for cover, right? Yeah, let's go with loves a bitch. Great one. All right.